Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Hey church, as part of our new collection of talks, Fresh Humanity, we're going to continue through our reading of Ephesians. And today I am going to read Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10 in the NIV and it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the earth, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to invite us to stand for a moment and we're going to pray together. Um, thank you, Beth, for being like in so many places at once this morning. Um, Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for those who led us in worship this morning um, to help us find some way, some small way of expressing just a little moment of what you mean to us and what you've done in us and what you've called us to do. We find ourselves in awe of you in so many ways. Father, I pray by the power of your spirit, you would help us today. You'd help me today. For those who are gathering in person and those who are joining us online. We, we believe you are God, that you are real, and that you really love us. And you so want us to know that. I pray above all things today that we will know that you love us so much that you invite us to love in your name and on your behalf. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab your seats at home. Pick up your coffee. Enjoy. Um, it's so good to have you guys here today. And um, for those who are joining us online, thank you uh, that you chose to be part of this service today. Um, we have, we've read some verses and we've had our 10 o'clock service. And um, genuinely, I'm just going to repitch, recenter, go with things from a little bit of a different angle from the 10 o'clock. We read these verses in chapter 2 um, and verses 1 to 10. 
And um, chapter one is like, if you want encouraged, no, if you want courage, if you just want to wake up in the morning and go, the world is good, read chapter one. No, it will lift your soul. It will remind you what Jesus has done and is doing and who you are and you'll feel confident, you'll feel encouraged and you'll be like, yeah, come on, let, let's do this. No, Jesus and I can take on the world. And then you get to chapter two and it's like, now you. And it has this moment. And sometimes I am guilty of going too fast past the problem because I want to get to the solution. It's how I'm wired. No, I don't like problems. Problems are, I acknowledge them, but just state them and then let's move on to the solution. That's who I am. But sometimes to truly appreciate the solution, you gotta hang around in the problem. And Paul lands here and he says, as for you, now I am not so bold to say that because I am quite aware um, it should read, as for us, <laughs> we were. And you have this moment where Paul is pointing to death. Aren't you glad you came to church? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. This is the problem. There's something going on in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. Amen, let's sit down. Let's just leave it there this morning. There's the problem. The problem is there is and there are these powers in the air that want to keep us dead. They do want to keep humanity in a place that it doesn't walk into its full potential. And this is what we're talking about. This fully alive humanity or fresh humanity is how we have pitched this series of talks. That God wants to bring a group of people from all nations, all tribes, all race, everyone together in Christ to live out a fresh humanity, a fresh way that will express his image on this earth. That would live out his kingdom. But there is something in the air that wants to steal that from us, that wants to keep us in a different place. And ultimately, Jesus Christ wants to come and restore to us as human beings the power that he has put in us to live out a life that would create his image on this earth, that would extend his kingdom, that where there is decay, we would bring life. And there is something in the air that wants to stop that. Now, in me, I am so tempted just to go, right, well, you've said it, Stephen, there's something in the air, there's, there's a problem. Move on to the solution. No, move on to, but now we are alive in Christ. That's, that's good, that's the good stuff, isn't it? But there's something in the air. I have been walking 10K a day to highlight Compassion Belfast uh, over the last 10K a day for 30 days, and... No, I have walked in some amazing places. I, I have walked in like, you no, know, the sunset moment of like, wow, God's nature, it's so good. Um, and then I've walked past peace walls and I, I've, I've been different places. But something I've noticed during lockdown is this, that you and I are getting further away from 
people. You might think, well, of course we are. We've been told to. No, at least two meters, stay away. No, I mean more than that. No, my generation grew up where we shopped on the high street. No, it was like the highlight. It was like everywhere they went. No, Saturday morning, it's like, let's head into town. Let's go get some shopping. Let's, and, and, and it was like the highlight of the city. And they developed it over the years. It was like, if you want to understand Belfast, this is where you take them to the highlight of the city, the high street. Now, as I was walking along the high street, the odd time I would spot someone who's maybe, um, well, they look homeless, perhaps. And you would go, well, it's oh, sad, isn't it? You may, you may help, you might step in, or you might just walk on by. And, and that, that was then. Now we all shop online. And don't get me wrong, I, I love shopping online. No, it's like the best thing in the world. I can sit, I can drink coffee, and order anything. How good is that? I can order it in different sizes. I can order it in different colors. I can order it, and then it comes. Whatever I like, I, I, I take. And whatever I don't like, I leave to the spar. Like, like how, how good is that? Do you know? And, and life is good. But in that, I'm getting further and further away from people. Now, why do I say that? Because there's something in the air that is trying to keep humanity dead. I talked about these walks. You see, when I walk through the city center, I love the high street. It's good. You walk, it's bustle. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can eat in there. I can have breakfast there. Walk two hours, come back and have lunch in there. It's all good. But then I walk the side streets of our city. And if you truly want to understand what this battle is going on for the life of our city, for the life of humanity, You'll not find it in the high street. You'll not find it online because just that's where the advertisers, that's where the shop owners, that's where capitalism wants you to see. You'll find it in the side streets. That's where you'll find the results of poverty. That's where you'll see the empty shops. That's where you'll see, that's where you'll see the real soul of what's going on. There's something in the air. At the 10 o'clock service, I said, Valentine's, that's a good time to know there's something in the air, isn't it? No, there's love in the air. I've got a little bit, no, I've gone opposite direction here. Love in the air. And you really understand there's love in the air if you're single, don't you? Something in the air, because I'm single, I'm, I'm alone. And I don't mean that to make you feel bad. I mean that to understand there's something in the air. I grew up in Belfast and um, lately we've seen a lot of rioting going on in the world. And to be honest, when I um, see the riots that are going on in the world, I'm not judging the reasons. I'm just remembering when I was younger and the riots that went on. And I can remember good people protesting for good causes and getting caught up in something in the air that ultimately destroyed the city. And it's not a side of community. It was a lot of time both sides of communities. But something would shift and something would change. If you're into politics, you can see there's something in the air that wants to shift, that wants to change us. There is a spiritual battle going on for the very purpose of what it is to be human. There's a problem. Okay, Stephen, move on to something happy. Okay. 
all of us who were living among them, gratifying and so on, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I'll move on to wrath. Don't switch off online. I'm going to get to the solution. Wrath. When I read the word wrath, I'm reminded of people who used to say the word wrath. And it used to make me feel like I was just the worst person in the world. No, you deserve God's wrath. And it was never like wrath. It was like wrath. They always had a rasp to the wrath. Now, what, why, is, why is God so angry? Well, we read Ephesians and we're reminded over and over again that God is the father of all humanity. And I put myself in his shoes as a father. And I want my kids to experience the best life that they possibly can. And sometimes kids make choices that take them in directions that are so far away from the, the hope and the plan that you had for them. People find themselves in darkness. People find themselves in addiction. People find themselves, their minds just broken and hurting. People find their marriages dissolving and falling apart. People find themselves in so many ways. People are filled with hatred. People find themselves filled with bigotry and racism and And if of a father, I can look at my children and say, I hate what that is doing to my children. When I read that God gets angry at the things that would decay this world, I just think, God, that's just like a reasonable response of a heavenly, holy father. But God doesn't want us to know anything less than fullness of life. And then we land in verse five and we read these words, but he has made us alive with Christ. Come on. He has made us alive with Christ. No, John 10, 10, the, the thief comes to kill, to steal and destroy, but I have come that you may have life to the full, Jesus has come to bring us and make us alive. You see, it's important that we hang around in the problem so we get the complete contrast of what it is to be alive in Christ. To become alive in Christ is to become fully human, fully alive, fully loved, fully filled with the potential of all of the kingdom of God to live out all of the plans and purposes that he put in us. So you've got to understand the problem in order to appreciate the solution. You've got to understand that there is a battle going on and that Jesus came and died on a cross not so he could plant a new creation in the future, but he could plant a new creation bang right now in the middle of the old. And that's why Paul is writing from prison. Because the old sometimes doesn't like the new and they do things like put you in jail. But not in this country. In this country, we've got freedom, don't we? We've got freedom of speech. We've got freedom of choice. We've got freedom to live whatever way we want. But it turns out when you've got more freedom, sometimes you make worse choices. 
We are the new creation of God planted in the old. Do you get it? That's you. That's me. We are new in the old. We are called to live alive. You and I are not called to be superheroes. We're called to be fully alive human beings who express and work out the very image of God through love on this earth. I don't know who you think you are this morning, but you are God's hope for humanity. You will turn to the person two meters, no less, down the road from you and say to them, you are the hope for humanity. Come on, shout it through those masks. You are the hope. Oh, you may think, but I'm just me. No, no, you are the hope. You've been brought out of darkness. You've been redeemed. You've been blessed. You've been chosen. You've been adopted. You've been, I'm, I'm gonna go back to chapter one. I'm gonna keep going back. And Paul keeps circling us around. He keeps reminding us that all of those powers that influence us, we are now above them in Christ. He has brought us into the seat of authority, but now we choose to live out that authority through love and change this world. We read in verse nine that this hasn't happened by our works, so no one can boast. And it's almost like Paul knew that we would read this someday in church and somebody would go to talk about, you no, know, the next verse where Paul says, but God has called us to good works. And somebody would say, huh, is he preaching like you can work your way to heaven? It's almost like he knew that would happen in church. And it happens so often in church. And, and, and Paul's making it really clear. No, no, you're not alive because of anything you've done. It's all because of what Jesus has done. That is what makes the difference. But we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We may not get there by works, but boy, we've got plenty to do, don't we? If you walk the side streets, you'll be more convinced. Now, I would encourage you, take some time, go into our city and don't walk the high street, walk the side street. And, and let's, let's just become more aware Ask the hard questions, look at the problems, look at what's going on, face them, don't run past them, actually acknowledge in this moment. And I think there's something amazing that's happening in the world now. People are actually standing up to real issues and real things that should have been stood up to a long time ago. And they're actually saying, no, 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 we're drawing a line. Now is the time to stand. This cannot continue. And we're resisting. And often the church is the most resistant. We're God's workmanship. This is good. Workmanship. You're God's poem. You're God's poetry. That's what it means. You're his expression. You know, like think of a love poem. Something, no, something you want to express to someone. You want, you know, I love you so much. How, how would you say it? You're God's poetry. You're, you're what others are to read and look at to understand his love. You are his masterpiece. How, how good is that? Oh, I didn't come to church to be encouraged. <laughs> you're God's masterpiece. 
though, like when you look in the mirror and you think, mm, you're God's masterpiece. No, that might be somebody else. No, no. You're God's work of art. The picture here is that of an artist. I've got an illustration, a little brush. And when we go back to creation, well, God created the heavens and the earth and he put animals on it and he separated the oceans and he did all of those things. And what we're told is he, he sat back and went, whoa, that's good. And then what happened was, well, people who God had created ultimately, well, destroyed his creation. Decided that, well, we don't like that, so we'll change this. And, well, God may have said that, but I tell you what, we'll just do our own thing. And uh, nothing new, the sort of stuff we all do, isn't it? Because there is a battle going on in the air. And then Jesus comes, and Jesus, through the cross, through his resurrection, changes it all and says, now we can paint something completely new. And Jesus says, you are my masterpiece, but I've got works for you to do. And the picture is that God paints and hands us a brush and calls us co-artists in his kingdom and asks us to join him. And what does that look? Well, up here we've got this image that Tim put together and we're going to blow it right out in a moment. And see, when it's all from a blown out perspective, we see Jesus. But when we zoom in, we see people. And what does it look like for God to hand us a brush? Well, it's this, that if each one of us, every day of our lives, wake up with an awareness that God has put a brush in my hand, that God has sent me out, that if every one of us, so many of us do many Small things in love every day, we will reveal Christ to this world. No, it's not my responsibility to reveal all of Jesus. It's my responsibility to paint my part. And if I paint my part, and you paint your part, and we take seriously what God has put in our hands, people see Jesus. You know that aliveness? People will see a different kind of humanity, a different way to live, a different hope, a different future, a different reality, because we take serious. No, uh, how does that work itself out? Well, we think of Jesus. Jesus is obviously our example. And how did Jesus do it? Well, Jesus painted a picture of the future, of his kingdom that is present now and his kingdom that is to come. He was someone who was saying continually, no, this is the old, but I have come with the new. And he would give us a little moment of what that looks like in the future. And well, Jesus comes and he calls us to paint the future. You know in Hebrews 11, when it talks about this great crowd of witnesses that are cheering us on, and we read about them and all of the things that they did in the past, but they're not cheering us on from the past, they're cheering us on from the future. 
And what they're saying is this, is that they're saying, we once had nothing but trust and faith in God and we are now standing here. And it's like, it's like you guys work towards your future. Come on, you can do it. You can take steps of faith. You can walk boldly. You can make change. You can, you can add highlights and lowlights. You can add light and shadow. You can do all of those things to make my creation more like what it will be in the future. And this really matters. Because it dictates how we read the scriptures. Because when Jesus walks through, you know, on this earth and Jesus comes, well, he comes to a homeless person. And he loves them. You see, is it simply that Jesus in the present is just saying, no, well, have a sandwich. It's all good. No, Jesus is saying, by acknowledging the homeless person in the moment, he is saying, in the future, there will be justice for you. Because my kingdom, in my kingdom, everyone is rich. You see, the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is injustice. Because why is that person poor when so many others get rich? That's the question. When Jesus walked to the lame man and, and said, get up and walk, uh, like, that's good, isn't it? You gotta love these moments just. But was Jesus simply doing something in the present? No, he was painting a picture of the future because there is a place where there's gonna be no more tears. There's gonna be no more death. There's gonna be no more sickness. There's gonna be no more sorrow. The things that we hate about this world are gone. See, when Jesus allowed the woman to come and wash his feet with her tears, Jesus wasn't saying just like, well, that's nice. See, the kingdom of the future, everyone is welcome. There's no inequality in the kingdom of God. We gotta learn this stuff. You see, Paul the apostle, he used to wake up in the morning and pray a prayer. And he said, thank God, thank you God today that I am not a woman, that I am not a slave that I am not a Gentile. I thank you, God, I am none of those things. But yet, he totally transformed to be the one who would say, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free. Because what he realized was this, that our responsibility as humanity and as true living followers of Christ is not to paint the present, but to paint a future where unless everyone comes up together, then it's not good enough. That if your color of your skin keeps you down, then I as a follower of Jesus Christ need to get down with you. And unless we all enter in together, none of us enter because that's the future. That's the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus fed the 5,000, well, that was good, but there will come a time where no one goes to bed hungry. And ultimately, we offer people Jesus. Now, why is that so important? Because I have this brush in my hand, and, and whenever I look at you and say, Jesus loves you, died for you. Jesus came because he wants you to live fully human and fully alive. I'm not simply saying to you, you can escape hell. You, you can get to heaven. I, I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying this, that God 
has invited you to live fully human and to take up his brush in your hand and paint a humanity that expresses his image on this earth. You see, if you want to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, no, yes, every day take up your cross. Every day take up your brush and follow him. Wherever there is darkness, wherever there is division, wherever there is decay, wherever there is disunity, wherever there is something in the present that doesn't represent his kingdom in the future, we're called to take out the brush and make the changes. What is it to be a Christian? It's to be fully alive. And in my liveliness and in my humanness, I choose to meet this world in love and to paint his image. until his kingdom comes. I don't ask Stephen, I, I, I'm just me. Like, <laughs> No, you're not. You're not only you. You're not just me. You're not only this guy that works here and does this and, and only this girl who, well, I've got this job or a... No, you're not. You are his masterpiece. And he's put a brush in your hand to paint his image. It's you. I want us to stand together. And I would like us to look at the image again that um, Tim had of the Jesus and then we break into those smaller images of people, this mosaic. This mosaic of diversity in age, in race, in narrative, in journey, in stage, in gender, in... And just for a moment, I want you to see that if you're fully alive in Jesus, I I want you to see your little picture. (laughs) And sometimes that's how we live. With a perspective of I am small. That my life really doesn't matter. But what I want us to do for a moment is to remove your picture. (laughs) Just start to pull your picture out. If you're joining us online, pull your picture out. What would it look like if you just take away you? What would it look like if every one of us just said, no, it's only me, I'll just pull out my picture? Well, in history, what it would mean is that, well, schools would never have offered education for everyone. Because that's what the Christians of the past said. That if we're all made in God's image, I imagine a day and a future where everyone can be educated. Imagine we just pulled out our image. What would it it look like? Well, in the past, Christians imagined a future where people wouldn't be ripped from their homes and taken on a ship 
where a percentage of them would survive and then be sold to another. They believed that slavery could be abolished. And they saw that in the future. And Wilberforce and others did it. But take Wilberforce. Well, there was someone continually whispering in his ear, saying to him, if God's called you to do that, he will give you the strength to achieve it. Take out his voice from his ear. And did he make it? Injustice. See, if all are made equal, then everyone deserves equal justice. And our justice system, although imperfect, was built on a premise of justice for all. That's why Lady Justice wears a blindfold. See, if I'm only me, then I can be absent. But if I'm God's workmanship, artistry, then I can't afford to leave. If God has put a brush in each one of our hands, then we can't afford to negate our place in the mosaic. Because true change is only realized when many often do many small acts of love empowered by the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. That's what transforms our world. I'm not going to ask you to take up your cross this morning. I'm going to ask you to take up your brush. <laughs> On your way home and your way into work and wherever God takes you this week, if you, I don't know, if you're on a Zoom call, it seems like, I was going to say uni, but turns out uni, you don't want to see meet people. And if you do, you end up being quarantined for two weeks. But wherever we are, what does it look like? What I've come to realize is that if the church of Jesus Christ does not take seriously this goal and this place, if the church of Jesus Christ does not join with King Jesus in painting his kingdom, remember at the start those influences in the air. Someone else will take on that cause. And I will only ever reach almost fully alive and human. Because only Jesus Christ 
can truly transform a heart. So let's pray. As Beth comes and to lead us. Um, what do you imagine? <laughs> no, let, let's, let's go small. What do you imagine? What do you see that you can paint <laughs> in your world? See, when we step out, the body of Christ really misses you. really does this is me when I step out what do you see we all see different things don't we I, I guess I, I see businesses that prosper I see a church where none of us would tolerate racism. I see a movement where we could believe someday we would be racism free. <laughs> I see the people of God that we would stand up for what really matters. Yesterday I saw a 13-year-old girl off her head on drugs hanging on a 16, 17-year-old guy's neck during school time. Empty for hope. I'm not judging that girl. I'm just believing that we can see a future where people see hope. No one goes to bed hungry. Where I don't bury another guy who's taken his own life <laughs> because he could see no way out. I'm trying to own this stuff. And I, I, I really don't want to leave us there because it just feels almost guilty um, we leave with the solution but now I am alive in Christ come on church we are alive in Christ there is hope and how we live paints that picture that's an adventure come on let's embrace the adventure father we embrace the adventure we embrace the adventure that you've called us to, to paint color where there is just darkness, to bring light and, and tone and texture, to bring depth. And to know that my little piece is missed. But together, 
reveal Jesus. We reveal life. We reveal a fresh humanity. And how we were always meant to live. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.